Welcome back, y'all, to the Alexa Mo I Am a PT podcast. It's September, and it's the birth month of both Alex and I. Um, I'm a Virgo, he's a Libra, but today we have none other than Mr. Will Carroll. So if you guys are into fantasy football and injury reports, so you can select your picks, we have the perfect person on our podcast tonight. Mr. Carroll, welcome to our show. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Uh, now you're a busy man, got a lot of stuff going on. So uh, definitely appreciate the time. So we'll just jump right into it. You got a book coming out. I do. Uh, it's the second one this year. And uh, in a series, it's called The Science of Football. It drops on uh, September 6th. You can pre-order that wherever you get your books. And I'm really excited about that. Me and Tyler Brooke, a good friend of mine, put this together. And I think it's an insight that uh, just isn't out there. Uh, got a lot of great reaction to the science of baseball, which is also available. So I'm really excited for people to be able to pick this up. So, you know, I've been following you on Twitter for a couple of while. We've had some, some interactions. I apologize. No, no worries. <laughs> That's how Mo and I met. I mean, Twitter, Twitter for us has been a, a, a huge platform, uh, not only from us to be able to, to meet and interact with people that we probably wouldn't get to uh, on a normal day, but also just meeting people like yourself. I mean, I know you don't have any, and correct me if I'm wrong, you don't have any formal healthcare training. You're not a clinician of any sort, but correct. you're very invested into injuries um and how it affects you know not only the the sports aspect but that's kind of trickled into some of the fantasy uh aspects as well right absolutely i've been doing this for about 20 years and the thing was uh, people like you don't have the time to go out and, and often explain these injuries you're working with patients uh, the doctors out there uh you know they, they get paid the big bucks to go and do the surgeries and get these guys back in the field so what i do as a reporter is basically translate. Uh, I speak medical, my father is a doctor, so I've been around this, uh, I grew up in locker rooms and, and pro hockey. Uh, so it's one of those things where I had a unique skill set that I just didn't see out there. And you know, like the, the dog that runs up a tree, I didn't know what I, I didn't know. Uh, so it's been learning, uh, in plain sight. Uh, I, I make it very clear I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not an athletic trainer. I'm a reporter that translates medical information and tries to make it understandable and interesting. Have you run into any issues at all being a reporter from medical doctors, physical therapists, athletic trainers, um, saying, ever saying that you're not putting the right information out there? Because sometimes we can get very territorial. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've made mistakes and I've gotten corrected. Um, you know, just recently uh, there were issues about, I was uh, talking about uh, Justin Verlander, who uh, recently had what uh, the Astros announced as a fascial disruption, uh, which is just a tear in the fascia over his calf. They didn't have to get, you know, use the big words. Uh, but nobody seemed to know what it was. And as you well know, anytime we're talking about fascia, there can be a lot of differing opinions. So I was just like, here's the facts. I'm not going to get into anything. I'm not mentioning scraping. I'm not talking about myofascial release. I'm not getting into that holy war. 
but it still popped up. People were like, oh, you know, faster this, faster that. And uh, I'm not getting into that. Have I made mistakes? Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think that's part of the learning in plain sight because you know, one of the things I've learned as we go is that this is always changing. You know, things that didn't, uh, that were significant, terrible career ending injuries not too long ago are now darn near routine. Uh, and sometimes it goes in the other direction. We've seen rehabs for Tommy John surgery get longer. Part of that is that you can't come back in December. Uh, so, and we've seen guys get extended throughout the entire uh, offseason, like Kentai Maeda from Minnesota. Probably could come back in September or October. Problem is, uh, they're, they're like, no, we don't need you right now. Just have a normal offseason. But when you take a look at the rehab, it'll look like he didn't play until April when he was perfectly capable of it in September. We've seen that a lot. Excuse me. On the other hand, we've also seen surgeries get a lot shorter because of different techniques. There was one I wrote about from Dr. Chad Lavender called a, a lavender fertilized ACL repair. First of all, we, you know, ACL repairs are, are fairly uncommon even today, but his fertilized ACL, he's seeing people come back uh, in six months in something that used to be 12 to 18 months. Now we're regularly seeing guys six to nine months. We've seen Achilles repairs. It, six months is pretty standard at this point uh, after, after Neil Elitrosh kind of changed the technique. But, you know, we're seeing, I saw one of Lavender's patients. Uh, he sent me a video and a guy was running. I mean, not fast, but running at 10 weeks post ACL repair. And with this kind of technique, imagine that in sport, that a guy could tear his ACL and come back uh, during the NFL season. Uh, it's pretty amazing to see those kind of things and be able to tell those stories. Absolutely. I mean, you always hear now, you know, obviously a couple of years back we had Adrian Peterson, right? And he mm -hmm. kind of changed the landscape for what most people think ACL rehab is now because, yeah. you know, you get somebody tears their ACL, their ACL, uh, you know, we had a couple of noticeable ones, obviously Odell Beckham being the most noticeable mm -hmm. one during the Super Bowl. And right. people are like, well, why isn't he, you know, that happened in February. We're now beginning of September, six months. Everybody's like six months, six months. Why isn't he on the field? Why isn't he signed yeah. with somebody? You know, and obviously we know from our side that, yes, things can be done and he could probably play. But th there's a difference between being able to play and then being able to perform. Right. So right. it's taking those things into account. But yeah, it, it definitely seems like as medicine improves, technology improves that some of the outcomes and, and the way that we do the rehab and the rehab happens, that's also going to improve and some timelines may be, uh, be sped up. Exactly. Peterson's a great example because he came back so quickly and said he could have been back, uh, you know, at the point of minicamp, we don't know whether that's true, but he had a very simple ACL tear. You know, there wasn't any meniscal damage. There was a little bit of MCL, uh, but, you know, it was pretty straightforward. With Beckham, much more complicated. First, it's his second on the same knee. Uh, he had significant damage inside the knee uh, with a meniscal repair that they tried to do. We'll see whether that works, but, you know, is he close? Probably. Um, 
I think it actually behooves him. You know, he could resign with the Rams pretty easily. Uh, and they've got a great medical team, of course, led by Dr. Elitrosh. Uh, and then, and Reggie Scott does a great job there as well. Uh, on the other hand, he could wait and see, you know, there's bound to be somebody that gets hurt and he step yeah. right in and have the leverage over him. So uh, you're right. Everything's a little bit different. Uh, everybody heals differently, even if they have the exact same surgery on the exact same day. Uh, the example I always like to use is, again, Dr. Elitrosh uh, tells the story about doing surgery back-to-back on Sylvester Stallone's shoulder and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's shoulder. And they had two completely different outcomes, both successful. It was just that Arnold took a lot longer to heal because his ended up being more significant. He had fallen off his bike, of all things. Oh, I was yeah. just about to ask you if they both got injured doing uh, the escape plan because I just watched that movie. Uh, it, yeah, no, uh, Arnold actually fell off his bike. I forget what the circumstances was, but it was funny. And Stallone was just uh, that his rotator cuff had, had worn down over the years with all the, the stunts and craziness. And uh, that guy's in great shape for his age as well. Absolutely. Uh, so I appreciate the layman where you put things. And I believe your audience, uh, Everybody who tunes into baseball and football would appreciate that too because we get too technical. And as you said, some things don't need to be that complicated, especially when you have to pick or estimate when someone will be returning. So do you just write about injuries or do you also try to include the psychological aspect or the emotional aspect behind a athlete, a pro athlete especially, returning from like a devastating injury, like Odell Beckham yeah. on the cusp of getting a record and that happened. Yeah, or Jamison Williams, uh, who, who's still coming back from his ACL that he suffered uh, here in Indianapolis uh, at the national championship game. Of course, he was still drafted. And think about that. Here's something that 30, 40 years ago would have been a career-ending injury. Uh, he didn't even fall that much in the draft. So uh, he'll be back. He'll, he'll still be fast. Yeah, I think the mental and confidence portion of it is one of the most difficult things because I, I'm not in the locker room every day with these players. You know, I'll talk to players, I'll talk to agents, I'll talk to clinicians, uh, talk to sources within the team. But I think that's one of the things that's still completely misunderstood or at least under understood. Uh, it, it's really a situation where, as with any injury, everything's different from person to person. But that's one of the tougher ones. I can remember, gosh, this goes way back. Who was it? Uh, Deuce McAllister. Deuce McAllister was coming off an ACL. Um, and he, for the first couple of games, he had been running straight forward, which you can still be successful in the NFL. Uh, but he, he wasn't making those hard cuts because obviously the last time he had done that, that knee gave and he had to go through that long rehab and all the pain and suffering of that. But he got back and I think it was Brian Erlacher. I don't remember but some big, mean, uh, giant man was trying to hurt him, and he just out of instinct cut. And as he was running up the sideline, there was a great shot uh, of his face, and you could just see this light in his eyes. It was like, oh, I can do that. Now, and the confidence came back, and suddenly he was back to being the guy. And you know that the Saints uh, athletic trainers had worked with him. You know that the coaches had worked to reinstill that. But sometimes it just takes a moment like that and uh, that's one that's always stuck with me. I can so definitely see a passion in your face and 
your speech as you talk about these stories. So I got to tune in more, definitely. Yeah. So, so you mentioned your, your father was a doctor, right? Was he an orthopedic? No, he's an athletic trainer. Uh, okay. he, he also teaches, uh, set up programs. He had been an athletic trainer for several pro teams. Uh, so being in those locker rooms, uh, you know, I was taping ankles when I was eight, uh, not qualified to do it, but I can, I can still do it. Um, and, and so being around it, just understanding the language um, and, and be, knowing a, a lot of the doctors uh, has been a real boom. Because like I said, I speak the language. And so, you know, I- But you have, you have the gift have to, to, to translate the language. Yeah, ex exactly. And that's been, that's the tougher part is, is the, the, the clinician, you have to learn all the, the technical stuff and be able to do it. I just have to, you know, explain what the heck a sprained ankle actually is. You know, and I used to have t-shirts. be more profitable being a, a sports reporter, medical reporter. No, <laughs> no it's not. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Uh, You'd be no surprised. prestige, no, no, no letters <laughs> behind my name. But uh, yeah, it, it's, I, I feel proud being able to know these people, tell their stories, work with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, the APTA uh, convention is here in Indianapolis, I think later this month. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see a lot of these people for the first time uh, in, in the, uh, in person in a while. So uh, aside from, you know, the, the, the science of baseball, the science of football that you got coming out, when you and I last connected not too long ago, before we were trying to get you on the show, you had done something with Peloton. Um, yeah. Right. So you, you can probably see I got both the tread and the bike. Mo has the tread and the bike. I kind of got her on and she got me to the tread. But anyways, we're big. Obviously, we work out. We take care of ourselves. The Peloton with COVID, that became such a huge um, a huge uh, part of their business, right? People couldn't go anywhere. Right. So now we're, we are stuck at home, so we need to work out. We need to do something. Um, exactly. So tell me about what you've done with using your Peloton and going through your own experience. Yeah, I had a Peloton, loved it. Uh, luckily, I bought mine before the, the pandemic and had that available and didn't get caught. Uh, but I love it. And you know, during the pandemic, I got a little bit out of shape. Uh, okay, a lot of out of shape. And, and I wanted to get back into it. But I'm a guy who looks at data a lot. So I was like, you know, there's so many things that we have. You get a ton of data from Peloton. You get a ton of data from you know, whether you have an Apple watch on or, or a Fitbit, um, sleep data, heart rate data, uh, glucose data. I had all this data and the problem is nobody tells you what to do with it. Um, you know, and Peloton does a great job of working out and, and motivating you and giving you streaks and badges. Uh, the, the, the thing I didn't think they did very well was talk about recovery uh, and what to do uh, in between. So I used one of the programs, the Power Zone uh, program. It was a, a five-week program. And I said, I'm going to take all this data. I'm just going to throw it uh, in a spreadsheet, uh, do this in public. And I really think recovery is the one piece that's missing. Uh, you know, they, they do stretches and they've got a couple foam rolling classes. They've got uh, restorative yoga. But I think one of the things we see, and I'm sure you guys see this, uh, with the weekend warriors and even professional athletes, we don't know 
uh, how to recover very well. You know, wh whether it's uh, active recovery, whether it's passive recovery, whether it's sleep, especially sleep. I'm wearing my eight sleep hat because uh, I get more great data and that has made more of a difference in my life uh, than any other piece of data I've had in the last couple of years. It's expensive, but worth it. Uh, but it, it's one of those things where I took it, put it together, and I think the data showed where you can make those gains. Uh, yeah, I had heard that uh, if you do this program, you can get a 10% uh, increase in, in your FTP, which is a functional threshold power. Uh, I was able to get 32% gains uh, because I thought the focus on the recovery, uh, using things like better sleep, uh, active recovery tools like Theragun, uh, I really think it made a difference. And that's available free. Uh, you can read that at uh, my Substack, which is underthenife.substack.com. That's awesome. We'll definitely have to take a look at that. Um, I know we're running up against the clock here because you've got to get to some other stuff. Uh, we'll definitely have to do this again. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and kind of get a little bit more in depth to some of the stuff. But uh, thank you again, man. Thank you very much. Really appreciate you taking the time. It, it is, I think, a, a huge uh, benefit to, I think, ourselves as, as healthcare professionals, but also to the general public the, your translation, I'm gonna call it Will's translation because it helps people understand it. And like Mo mentioned before, we tend to be over technical um, because we always feel like we're talking to another healthcare professional. But the reality of the matter is, is that not many people know and understand, you know, what we do as a profession, let alone what we're trying to explain to yeah. them. And I think especially, you know, speaking for physical therapists, like we don't know how to market ourselves, right? We don't know how to talk to the general public in a way that they understand and make sense to them. And that's what you've been able to do yeah. in the world of sports for the most part. Yeah, I think, I, I think it's because you have to be so precise. You know, it's kind of like talking about that fascial disruption. Uh, you guys have to be so precise and so technical in what you're doing because you're dealing with medical, you're dealing with a person and their function, their ability to go about daily life. On the other hand, you know, I used to have a t-shirt that said a sprain is a tear. Uh, it's actually my pinned tweet when I wrote a whole article about this because people regularly say, oh my God, I'm so glad uh, it's just a sprain, it's not torn. No, stop. <laughs> uh, oh gosh. Uh, it's it's just broken, not fractured. He's so lucky. Yeah. So there's still more education to be done. But I I, I agree with you. I, I think uh, physical therapists don't get the credit they deserve. And like I said, I'm I'm so honored to have done this for as long as I have and be able to tell those stories. Uh, you know, even the biggest uh, fan of a team probably doesn't know who their athletic trainer is or their team doctor. Uh, but those people are as valuable as anybody. And, and for people that have had an injury, who have had dysfunction, getting the right physical therapist uh, can be life-changing. And, and uh, I do think that story needs to be told. Absolutely. All right. And I, I'll ask you one more quick thing before we let you go. Christian McCaffrey, does he, do you draft him? Do you draft him? And I know we can get into like yeah. a long debate about it's, this. We, we can. And this one goes to the, is injury prone a thing? And I think it's really interesting because he's another uh, genetics 
case. You know, someday we'll, at the combine, well, I actually do at the combine. They've never released any of the results because of HIPAA. But you know, take a swab, know somebody's DNA. His father was an NFL player. His brothers all play football. They didn't have the injury problem. So why is it? Is it genetic? Is it injury prone? Or is he just unlucky? Because uh, both could be true. We just don't know. He's so talented. He's such uh, a lottery ticket. He could absolutely win you your league. But Baker Mayfield's his quarterback. So no, I'm staying away from him. I took Derek Henry. <laughs> that is awesome. On that note, we'll end it. Will, thank you very much, man. Really appreciate you. Like I said, we will definitely try to link up here in the next uh, couple of weeks and months and, and definitely do this a little bit more in depth because you've, you've got a wealth of knowledge, man, and, and uh, a lot of good stuff. Good luck with the book, uh, The Science Thank of you. Football, and, and everything else, man. And uh, we're we'll definitely. It drops on September 6th, right? Yeah, it drops on September 6th. You can pre order it now uh, wherever you get uh, your books. Awesome. As usual, to all our fans and everybody, thank you very much. Continue to follow, like, comment, share this with your friends and family. Everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you again, Will. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye.